the Buck Off Podcast with Lane Grant. Hosted by Christopher Rennie and joined by Jordan Williams. Welcome everybody, it's your host Christopher Rennie bringing another episode of the Buck Off Podcast with Lane Grant, Holy Land, and we are still in business for the time being. And as always, I'm still joined by Jordan Williams. How you doing today, Jordan? Uh, man, I'm doing good. Uh, a weekend could not have come at a better time. I am exhausted, but uh, can't complain, honestly. How are you? I'm in the same boat. Uh, you know, I think the grind that is January, you know, just kind of resetting, getting into the new year. I don't know. It felt, it felt a little heavier this year. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I think it's good. We're back on the microphones with Buck Off. Sorry, we weren't here for you guys last week. There was some big news we missed. Uh, but overall, I mean, it's been relatively uneventful, I'd say. Uh, I don't think Ohio State football's done anything crazy. We don't have to talk about Ohio State basketball on this show. You guys go listen to Bucket Heads for that, for that show to Freud listening. Um, I think we're in a good place, honestly. I think fans have kind of relaxed a little bit. I think the transfer portal window closings brought some semblance of relaxation and following college football for at least the time being. Um, so, yeah, I think we're in a good place. I think it's time to – we can really jump into the offseason head, head on and really just get into what we want to talk about again. I think that's the funnest part about the offseason. We don't have the same parameters we have to stay inside of. We can just really – have our fun yeah for sure and uh i'm gonna tease something here i'm not gonna tell people what it is but for listeners who've been with us for a while two years ago we had a fun like running thing where we looked at the top five players at each position since 2000 or 2010 something like that well last year we didn't have anything this year we're going to have something probably starting once we get out of spring ball or close to it so uh, it's spot on. This is the kind of p- the time where you can make up things, you can do bits, you can get excited. Because at the end of the day, we are fans, so we are always going to get super excited. That's kind of the, I don't want to say tough because it's still fun, but that's kind of the tough part about the season. You have to be realistic. Like, you know, I can't sit in the season, you know, five games in when JT has two sacks and be like, he's going to get 12. But in March, I can definitely be like, JT's having 12 sacks. Like, um, that's, 20 that's sack year coming. <laughs> uh, you heard it here, folks. You heard it here first, folks. Uh, it's, JT, it's 20 sacks. It's, um, it's funny you say that because it's like, we'll start off and the offseason will begin like reasonably. We'll be like, yeah, there's like going to be three new starters on the offensive line. I don't really know what to think about the offense going into the fall. There's quarterback competition, first year quarterback. But then by the time we talk ourselves up to that week one matchup, we're like, you know, whoever wins the quarterback is going to be the Heisman. You know, the yeah, offensive absolutely. line is going to have two All-Americans on it. You know, anything short of a Moore Awards, a failure. And yeah, I, if Ohio I'm State doesn't win the national championship, it's all done. And I'm already at that point. Ohio State has got to win the national championship. But all yeah, the I'm other gonna, aspects aside. I'm, gonna t- I'm going to tell on myself right now, this is exactly what's going to happen. It's going to be 
March, maybe the middle of end of February, and uh, Marvin Harrison Jr. and Jaden Ballard. It's not even going to be a mech. It's going to be Jaden Ballard. They're going to come out and they're going to be like, yeah, Kyle McCord looks great. We have great chemistry. There's no drop off. Like, I'm really excited for this year and I'm going to come on this show as a brigadier general of the McCord militia and I'm going to call him the Heisman favorite. You I like I know I'm going to do it. I know I am. Up until up until those quotes drop, I'm gonna be measured. If we talk about him on this show, I'm gonna be measured. I'm gonna talk about how CJ Stroud struggled for the first couple and he hasn't taken snaps. But as soon as Marvin Harrison Jr. and like Jaden Ballard or like freaking Brandon Ennis or something say something good about McCord, it's a wrap. It's over. Like I'm yeah, gonna hear like right. one I'm gonna hear one tweet about how good a neck Vamahi looks, and I'm gonna forget the three years of him not being able to pass block. Like it's gonna be disgusting. Yeah. And don't don't let them say anything positive about Kai Stokes because I don't like. I don't know I'm if you can handle that. I don't think you can handle an off season of that. <laughs> I cannot handle an off season of people mentioning Kai Stokes' name. If 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 Jim Knowles comes anywhere close to talking about Kai Stokes like he talked about Lathan Ransom last year. It's yeah, it's gonna be yeah, bad. That's I'm gonna call him uh, a first on the, American. You got me on the bandwagon already, <laughs> and I'm not ready to ride that. I we have enough work to do with the Tommy train going into next year. I, yeah, I don't know I'm how gonna, I'm gonna. I'm building propaganda posters. <laughs> I'm really just like getting some spreadsheets ready. Yeah, I'm, uh, re, I'm rewatching Thomas the Train. Like I'm re I'm rewatching the kids show. Like yeah, yeah. we're so far deep into this wormhole that we're gonna come out. Tommy Eichenberg's going to be the president of the United States. Hey, listen, I'll vote for him. His State of the Union? Her. 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 <laughs> <laughs> yeah. that, Russia. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, uh, the, the, day, the off season is dangerous for me. Uh, but luckily for you all, you get to hear me uh, – go through all of these stages well, and to be honest it's dangerous for everybody because i already see people talking about texas a&m football i already oh, see people uh, like enjoying okay, florida state the champions of the acc i already see a lot of these more like these are like uh, obviously like we all know the saying like uh the thing about being crazy like if you repeat the same behavior you know and expect different result like, yeah definition of insanity uh I don't care who Jimbo Fisher hired. Jimbo Fisher's still the head coach of Texas A&M. And I, what, do you yeah. still have They've won more than eight games one time. Yeah, maybe. Like, and he hired, like, I get what he used to be, but, like, I'm sorry. I'm not hiring Bobby Petrino today. Like, I, and, and expecting him to fix all of my issues. I'm just not doing that. Yeah, it's just one of those things. Like, there are some absolutely – wide takes that I'm just going to ignore this year. Usually I get on social media. I'd argue this year. I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. New year's resolution, new buck off resolution. I might do it. No yeah. board on Saturday. You um, may not argue with on. people, but you're going to get on here. You're going to save the tweets yeah. and you're going to get on the show and, and call them idiots. It's yeah, with I, support. Mean, I already had Notre Dame fans tell me that their receivers are going to be better than Iowa state. That just makes uh, no sense. Honestly, name one is, receiver on that team. And if you, you say Lorenzo yeah. Styles, name someone other than Lorenzo Styles. And yeah, name someone good. 
Yes. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's, first of all, name three wide receivers that exist on the team. And then next challenge, name someone good. Yeah, and then they're talking about big game Sam Hartman. Ah, you know, leading into the promise. Okay. It's like, all right, he couldn't beat like, Clemson. Multiple times? Like, what are we doing yeah. here? He couldn't beat DJ. Yeah. Do you want to know what is the most dangerous part about this offseason for me? I, I it, do, I do. I really do want to hear that. It's, so I'm just going to break it down very, very quickly because I'm going to talk about it a lot. Alabama clearly hates all the quarterbacks on this roster. Uh, Jalen Milrow, whatever his name is, sucked when he came in for Bryce Young, and they have two freshmen in this class, and you don't bring in two freshmen when you already have two quarterbacks on the roster if you like either of them. So Alabama doesn't like any of their quarterbacks, their wide receivers suck, and they have two new coordinators. Georgia, and I will say this forever, Georgia's great, but they're not what Alabama was during their dynasty. And I know they've won back to back, but like we never, we didn't almost beat Alabama during their run. We should have beat Georgia, and Georgia should have lost last year. They're literally two. They're literally two players getting injured away from being zero and two in the playoffs. Yeah. Like, I, I really and, do um, think, and they're both Ohio gonna, State wide receivers, of course, because uh, <laughs> it's really going to be interesting with Georgia to see what they're like. Stetson Bennett. And they're still going to be good because the SEC sucks, let's be honest, especially the side the that North is on. Um, and they're, they have you no got Joe Milton. Concerts. You got Graham Mertz, Jack Miller. Like, good luck, guys. George is going to be there. Yeah, so... Okay. Uh, Alabama's our only hope. That's, that's tough. Yeah. Uh, Nobody believes in USC and they're keeping Alex Grinch. Yeah, I keep hearing this thing that uh, with Clemson that uh, uh, Lincoln Garrett, Garrett Riley is getting this huge uptick of talent, but he's not. I'm not convinced that Clemson's wide receiver room and their offense is better than TCU's. They, they may have been better than last year's TCU team. No, and that's what right. everyone's saying. They're like, "Oh, look at what he did with TCU. He's automatically going to a better situation." He, no, he he's will not. have is uh, like more like the, a higher floor quarterback he'll have yes, that absolutely he will have a defense across from him that doesn't rely on turnover margin but every single game really really good especially the but, secondary like yeah they will not have an elite offensive line Clemson's really struggled uh, there for a like, couple will, years will Shipley eh? He's yeah. not what they build him to be, and I don't know. It's just because he was white. They're like, oh, he's the next Christian McCaffrey. No, they did not. say that. That is an Christian interesting. Christian McCaffrey like Christian McCaffrey. Yeah, like Christian McCaffrey's brothers weren't even the next Christian McCaffrey, so it's definitely not going to be this guy. So, yeah, I think – I mean, yeah, it's going to be a wild offseason. Yeah. Uh, we're definitely going to dedicate a national show um, to just getting our – Dart throne all across the country, you know, see how many enemies we can make in a lot. an hour and a half. You know, that's kind of those are the most fun pods in the offseason. Um, yeah, but it's dangerous because, like, there's not a singular returning, like, good team. Everybody, everybody's losing their quarterbacks. Literally, yeah. the best team in the nation should be Michigan, but it's Michigan, so they're going to lose. Like, they're not, like, even if they beat us again, which, Lord, let's hope they don't, they're not going to win a national championship, but they're one of the only teams that have a returning quarterback. They have both their running backs. They're good on the offensive line. They lost more on their defense than people want to realize, but, like, 
they should be solid enough. Like they should come in as the best team in the country. But does anyone believe that? No, we don't. They no. just lost to TCU. So, yeah, this is going to be a real dangerous offseason for hot takes because I don't think there's a single good team in the country, including Ohio State, which means we should win the national championship. And I'm yeah. saying that on fucking January 26th, so it's, it's bad for me. Yeah, there's probably going to be, what, 15 or 20 teams people talk about being able to win the national championship, and I could probably cut that list in half already. Um, yeah. USC, no. Michigan, no. no. Tennessee, uh, absolutely not. Yeah. Penn State, no. Like, no. stop it. They're, gonna, they're Penn State. James Franklin's going to fuck up. They basically like, have White Joe Milton. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so we don't have to talk about this. Dante still disagrees with me, but, like, I just I, – I, I need – I need – I need to see Drew Aller play because I cannot I get it out of my head. Why didn't Ohio State offer him? Not they didn't win the recruitment. They did not – offer him a quarterback in their backyard who they could go see whenever. Think about how yeah, many they times, chose Devin Brown over him. Think about how many times Luke Montgomery and whatever and Ryan Montgomery have been to Ohio State's campus. He is from the same area or even actually he's closer. Finley's not that close. And he wasn't yeah, on Finley's campus. Closer to Michigan. They didn't recruit him. They didn't offer him a scholarship until uh Quinn Ewers uh reclassified and they just needed a quarterback in the class and then they yeah. didn't even go serious because they wanted for Devin Brown. I just need to see it. I need to see it. Yeah. I know people make mistakes, but like I feel like you can't make a mistake on a quarterback in your backyard, especially when you've recruited three first round picks in a row. Like, yeah, not not to self tease, but Drew Aller didn't fit the profile. He didn't like. Uh, like so. I wrote. I, mean, I got to write another article about it because usually I'm like hesitant to write like an in depth piece on a recruit. But I saw this Julian Sand kid from Carlsbad, the Alabama commit that Ohio State just offered, and I'm like, this dude, his highlights look exactly like Devin Brown's and exactly like Legan Keenholes and exactly like CJ Stroud's high school highlight. So it's like. Oh, hey, I, I think this is why Ohio State's like, yeah, we don't care if Bama offered him. He looks like every single one of the quarterbacks we've had in the room over the last five years. Yeah. I know it's hard to get a guy from Bama, but, like, all you have to say is, hey, they have four quarterbacks on their roster. They just got two top 100 quarterbacks in the class before you. You sure you want to go there? Yeah. But I mean, and Ohio State also, did. Yeah. Well, Lincoln's huh? not, but. Yeah, it's just it's just one, and they'll have three yeah. on their roster. They'll have they'll have Alabama will have four players on their roster who aren't pro eligible. Yeah, and like you know, it's he's honestly in that similar position, and this is very much like projecting because we don't even know if he's considering Ohio State's offer or anything along those lines. He said it was a, like a big offer to have, but anyone's going to say that. Right. It's more so saying like. He's in it. He would be in a similar position to Devin Brown. Like he'd be Devin Brown following, like Devin Brown actually, basically. Yeah, and like honestly, all any quarterback coming here is going to essentially be there. But the difference is Ohio State only takes one quarterback, so it's just yeah. it's one less person to fight through. And also, like okay, so if this guy comes, it's going to be like sure. There's three people ahead of you. 
But once Kyle McCord, if he had the year that every other quarterback has had, he could leave immediately. Then there's only yeah. two ahead of you, and you're in the competition. When you're coming and you're in, you're a freshman when you get into it. Yeah. And then so, you come in, and there's yeah. four people ahead of you, and none of them are eligible to go to the pros. I'm not saying that that's enough for him not to go there. I would just yeah. use that. I would just say, listen, we have one less, and I'm better at this. Like, I know Jalen Hurts. Is looking good, and shout out but, to him. But I'm throwing him. On, I'm throwing him. Yeah, I'm throwing him on Oklahoma. Like, who has Nick Saban put in the league? Like, Tua wasn't that. Like, Tua yeah, was I'm basically ready by the time he got there. Yeah. So, uh, I'm not saying it's going to work, but I would at least give it a shot. Yeah. Yeah. So I think I think we hit a lot of our our roundabout talking points we missed the last week. Um, first 15. I like that first 15. Um, so, yeah, let's get into it. New year, fuck off. Let's get into our biggest roster concerns. Let's just jump right into the bad stuff. Um, what do you want to start, defense or offense? Um, let's start. Let's start offense because defense is the bigger concern, and I want to spend some time on Knowles just a little bit. So we can start with the offense. Yes. So let's get into the offense here. There's really only, I'd say, we could, I say, when you look at the running backs, there's one concern it's the health. I think that's pretty straightforward. You know, no real questions there if they're healthy. But we've seen both Travion Henderson and Brian Williams battle injuries in both their seasons as full-time backs. Um, Evan Pryor's coming off an ACL injury. What does it mean for Dallin Hayden coming into that room, you know, after getting an extensive amount of reps late in the year due to health? Uh, and then, you know, you add Chip Trainum into it. That's a lot of mouths to feed. Um, so I, I really think that one will work itself out with health. I think Dallin Hayden bit off, like, got more of the – cake than he probably thought he'd get as a freshman uh you know so yeah like initial thoughts like you have any concerns about running back because i've seen people talking like you know health you know can this group stay healthy that's really the concern to me that's it if they're healthy it's going to be one of the best rooms in the country yeah i don't have any concerns because like at the end of the day we've seen except for uh evan Pryor, we've seen every single one of these running backs and we know what they can do like we know what top of the line trait can do we know what top of the line mine can do maybe we don't know what top of the line dallin can do just because he's so young but we've seen freshman dallin he's only going to get better we've even seen tc caffrey who's not going to be a major focus we've seen a little bit of chip training but i really not uh yet chip training but yeah, i really don't yeah, think he's going to factor in a lot for like 86 yards like yeah if that's so, your worst running back in the room like that's that's not a bad room yeah, I really don't I really don't think he's gonna factor in a whole lot. So it's just like I, I think we're good and I think we have because like so this is the positive view on injuries, right? And this is the one thing that we complain a lot about Ryan Day with is not playing young guys. The quote unquote benefit, and I hate saying that because you never want to see these players get injured. The quote unquote benefit of having guys get injured is you have like we just said four running backs with legitimate experience and that's going to last the next two or three years like so unless there's transfers would always happen but you have four running backs who are going to help mitigate transfers who's going and it's actually five trainum just doesn't have experience and 
our offense, but he has yeah. his running back experience. So you have five running backs with legitimate multi-snap, probably 100 carries minimum experience. You can't go wrong with that. Like, that is going to be very beneficial um, into next yeah. season, no matter what. Like, you're going to be so deep. Like, And we know we typically just have, at this point, unless we have a super – like, we haven't had a one-back system since JK, and one of the JK years was a two-back system, and it shouldn't have been. We know yeah. Tony Alfred really likes to use two backs, and then he's going to use a third and crunch time. So there are – use that third back, too, like you were saying. Yeah, so it's like there's going to be the snaps. If someone gets injured, you're kind of kind of be there. Honestly, with running backs, the worst – part about someone getting injured is it's going to suck for them in their career, especially if it's like Trey again or something like that. But as far as a team, I'm very confident. Like, I believe, like, you could trot out any of these running backs as the number one running back, and I'd be happy going in. Yeah, I am actually pretty sure every running back in the room outside of Evan Pryor, because I don't have enough stats on him, have averaged over five yards per carry in their career. Yeah. I so, that wouldn't surprise me at all. Yep. Look at uh, Chip, 6.1 last year, 5 point over 5. That was the only one I had questions on. Dallin's over 5. Uh, Mayan and Trey are over both those guys at higher numbers. So if you have four backs, you can average five yards per carry at the FBS level. I don't think there's really any questions. Mm-mm. I think their questions stem from the actual biggest question on the offense, which we know is the offensive line. Yeah, for sure. Um, Going into the offensive line, this is like – He's going to have to earn his money. Like, at the end of the day, Justin Fry is going to have to earn his money. He has a chance with the guys he recruited this year. I I believe in all of them, although I'm kind of upset that we don't have an offensive lineman outside of Ohio. But this it wasn't a full cycle for him, so I I will forgive him for this. And I want people to remember that I'm consistent because we talked about this all last year. He started in January. You build these relationships two years in advance, sometimes more. This is going to be his first real class. And unless he's on kids that he was on at UCLA, he's still going to be behind the eight ball on everyone else. Like, that's just how it works. It's really 2025 that's going to be his first. I got to identify you as a sophomore. I've been talking to you for two years. I've been building this long relationship. That's not to give him an excuse for this year because a year and a half is enough. But still. It, like he he has his guys this year. He's kept the guys last year, and we and he developed some guys who I didn't think were going to be ready, like Zen uh, Mahowski and things like that. It's going to be patchwork, but it, he's going like it's it's really going to be up to him to really some just develop. States best offensive lines have come from scenarios like this. Like what you think about the year where it was Brandon Bowen, Jonah Jackson. Uh, what is it? Josh Fryer. No, not Josh Fryer. Uh, Packers guy now. Um, Josh Myers. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, was Nico, that Wyatt? Wyatt, yeah, Wyatt and then Nick uh, Petit for like, Oh, no. Was, oh, yeah. It had to be there. Yeah. yeah. It was there because Brandon Bowen beat out Petit Friere. But, like, that was one of the best lines Ohio State's had. I'm pretty sure they had 2,000 yards rushing. They had a lot of big stats. You know, right? I was able to look back at the line stats. I'm sure it was probably one of the more impressive ones. And mm-hmm. I think a big point that I think 
offensive line is one of the hardest positions to recruit. Like, absolutely, it's very easy to see the guy like, uh, like a guy like Paris Johnson Jr., who's already ready to play in college as a senior in high school. It is not necessarily the same as recruiting a running back or a wide receiver where there are just like distinct physical traits that you can't teach that make those players better. Like there are aspects that you don't develop like until you're fully grown until you're like fully mature that offensive lineman, like they're still growing a lot of the time by the time they get to Ohio state. So they don't have, or to college in general. So there's so many things that you have to look at differently when recruiting offensive linemen that I don't think recruiting services have perfected in that same scientific they way. They don't know either. anything about them with defensive linemen. Like, cause you can see a dominant defensive end immediately. Easily, like, yeah. There's no questions about it. It's very rare. They miss on those guys, but they miss on offensive linemen all the time. That is probably yeah. the most missed position outside of quarterback. For sure. And it's actually funny. So we would like, uh, Bruce Feldman, I think just did an article about the all pro teams in the NFL and the average star ranking for the defense was four and a half stars. And the average star ranking for offense was two and a half. And one of the reasons why is because most of the qu- the quarterbacks were not five-star recruits and the most of the offensive linemen were not five-star recruits and they kind of went on this like conversation about it and things like that. And this is not, I want to be clear, this is not an excuse not to recruit five-star recruits at all because you should. But Paris Johnson Jr. is kind of, and Wyatt Davis, although he hasn't had the good NFL career, they're kind of like the anomalies because a lot of times offensive linemen is about want to and I say this all the time I don't want a cool offensive lineman I don't want a pretty offensive lineman the only like I say this objectively the only cool offensive lineman that I trust is Trent Williams he's the coolest looking offensive lineman I've ever seen in my life but he's also a dog like he be the beard the chains and all that like he's allowed to do that I don't want none of that I don't want like I don't want nothing. And so sometimes what you get with these five stars is you get that kind of stuff. And so that's why every once in a while you get your like Jason Kelsey's, who I believe was a tight end at some point in his life. And now he's arguably the best center in the league. Like there are so many of these stories of guys who transition from other positions, who do all this other kind of stuff. I was too big to play defensive lineman. I was too slow. I was too like I hit a tight end. Yeah, I hit a growth spread at tight end, and I became too big to play that. And so offensive lineman is so much more about want to and being able to pre- uh, perfect technique that you can get a low round guy and turn them into that, which is why Ohio State's never going to recruit the 930th wide receiver, but they'll always have an, a, a 6 to 900 level offensive lineman yeah. from Ohio on their roster. And that is still not an excuse not to do it because some of these guys are can't miss prospects, but on a couple of guys that we've missed Jackson Carmen was not good in college and he's even worse than the pros he got drafted in like the fourth or fifth round Keontae Goodwin who went to Kentucky never played for Kentucky and just hit the transfer portal like there's someone else that I just saw in the news recently like there's a lot there's a couple of these five star yeah, these that, uh, there's guys, that, guys we missed that went to Alabama that didn't play and is in the transfer portal like some of these guys just don't work out and then some like yeah and it's one of those things where 
like for all the Paris Johnsons in the world, like you still need those guys behind that are willing to wait three, four years to have that opportunity to play. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, will Josh Fryer and Zen Mahalski and those guys play up to the level of that? Probably not individually, but that doesn't mean unit-wise the Buckeyes can't have a better offensive line. Yeah, for sure. And the hope is that one or two of them do, right? I think it's yeah. safe to assume and that Josh Fryer... Yeah. I, I think it's safe to assume that Josh Fryer's at that level, right? He wouldn't have been a six-man off the line. I think he played two different positions. He wouldn't have been in that position if he wasn't there, right? Yeah, he was probably so, capable of starting last year if Juan Jones didn't come back. Yeah, and honestly, because he played a little bit of guard, I wish they would have replayed. Like, well, not over Matt Jones, I guess. But yeah, well, um, then we're getting into that old tackle issue again. And yeah, that's, Matt, Matt Jones was he was injured, but at the I end think, he could have yeah. replaced Matt Jones. At the beginning, think, you know, but once he got that injury, he could have replaced him. In my yeah, opinion. I think Matt Jones, him returning, is going to be a big boost to this offensive line because yeah, it would have been tough to replace all that experience. You know, replacing the two tackles is enough, but at least you have your middle um, two guys who proved that they could be, you know, I know Donovan Jackson's probably got All-American potential. You've got um, Matt he was Jones. On who, some... he, he could be an All-Big Ten guy. I'm not, yeah. not going to say he's going to be this world-renowned offensive guard. He's not. He's he's pretty old. It's not like there's much yeah. more ceiling to reach, but uh, but experience pays dividends. Yeah, yeah, and even he's an example. He was the number one center in the country, and it took him four years to get on the field. You just don't always yeah. hit on these five star guys, and this is at all positions because sometimes you got to humble them and things like that. We don't have to get into that as far as just like flashy, not wanting to work and that kind of stuff. But at the end of the day. It doesn't matter your rating because your rating could be wrong because people don't know how to guard, how to grade it. At the end of the day, it's about want to, right? Like, and that's why you get these guys who go into the league and they're like, oh, he's too little. His arms are too short. He's this, he's that. And then they turn out to be one of the best linemen because they want to do it and they have, they learn the technique and things like that. So, that is it's still a huge concern and you don't know that they're going to do it and honestly you can't project that they're going to do it but you have three guys really four guys that you in my opinion you should believe in i don't yeah. know if josh fryer is going but okay Dewan Jones was never the best offensive lineman. He had some major flaws, and he just kept getting better. Is Josh Fryer, the second level? Is Still Josh Fryer going to be worse than Dewan Jones? If he can, no, get- I think, I think him and Dewan Jones are relatively interchangeable. If I'm being honest, so if he's at Dewan Jones's level, that was good enough. He's going to get drafted, and we have again Luke Whipler, who would have got drafted. It is, oh, he did leave. Uh, we have yeah, he's um, going to be a middle round draft pick. Yeah, and you've got Victor Cutler. Who's a great athlete. And if you yeah. get an athlete like him in the middle, I think and I like I think I'm projecting a little bit, but he reminds me a lot of Oluwatami or Oluwatimi at Michigan, so, uh, just in his, yeah. his ability to move. Uh, I think that's going to be a big weapon at center for Ohio State because as much as Luke Whipler was great, he had that similar issue where getting to the second level wasn't always a consistent skill he had. 
Yeah. And if he's two thirds of, of what Oluwatimi is, we'll be solid because he was yeah. arguably, I don't think he was. I think he was a little slightly overrated, but he was arguably one of the best offensive linemen in the country and he won all the awards. So, like, if he's two thirds of that, we're at an all Big Ten level because that dude won offensive lineman of the year. So, like, there are some, some things to work on there. And then it's really yeah. just figuring out the other tackle. Uh, the the yeah, biggest I, question. The goal, you just need to have five NFL level linemen. And yeah. I think you get those. I'm not saying you need five first round picks. You just need guys that are going to get drafted. And they have one first round pick. Donovan Jones will be a first round pick. Yeah, he I well he's a guard, so he Donovan might get Jackson. He might get positionally. No, nah, he's down, gonna be a first round pick. He'll be he'll be but, first or second guard taken. And the first or second guard is typically in the first round. I he's that good. Like he was he had two play like he had two or three plays that really, really sucked because they were very obvious, like the sack from the yeah. But everything else, the like the kid was yeah, he's gonna be a first round pick in my opinion. But you have at least one. My biggest concern is if Josh Fire is Dewan Jones, can he play left tackle? That's my like that yeah. left tackle is my biggest concern because you need someone better than Dewan at left tackle, which is why he played left tackle. Um, so it's yeah, it's especially not a, with the new quarterback, it's going to be a big deal in that position. That that position battle might be more important or. However, that works out. The level it plays at might be the most important position yeah, coming so into next year. It is definitely not rosy. It is definitely a huge concern. Uh, this is just one of those things that you have to trust the development. Justin Fry has never had a bad offensive line. He had great offensive lines at Boston College. Boston he had great College, offensive lines at UCLA. UCLA. He got people drafted playing offensive line at UCLA, that does not happen. It just doesn't. Like, Boston College gets a couple grinders, right? But, like, UCLA doesn't have first, second, and third round draft picks. I know he had at least one guy who was first or second. I remember, like, the the year that he was coming, that he left that draft, there was a a very highly recruited guy, uh, a a very highly – draft the guy out of there. So you just have to believe in the development. You have to believe in the spring practices. You have to hope that, you know, Donovan Jackson and then can really lead the room and that these players learn from Paris Johnson Jr. doing pass sets for hours by by himself to get better and and that they're really going to do it. And yeah, ultimately we will find out. Fortunately for Ohio State, they get Indiana first. Um, they get Youngstown State second, and they get Western Kentucky third before they have to go into South Bend. So we're going to have a lot of time to learn about the offensive line. Um, and, yeah, I think I think coming into the offseason, I was heavily concerned. Uh, I think I've talked myself back on that. I think I'm just mildly concerned just because it's it's hard to really predict when you haven't seen it yet. And that's really where my concern comes from. Like, until we see it on the field, until we see them play at a high level, like, that's not a guarantee. So, yeah, because, I mean, two years ago we were concerned that we had to put tackles at guard and Dewan Jones was starting. It was like we talked ourselves into it at the beginning, but when we first talked, it was like, ah. Yeah, you get the guys this, and like, it gets you excited. I, yeah. But, like, I, the, what I am excited about this is – you're going to have five guys playing their natural position and you can't really beat that. Yeah. 
Um, Ultimately, and if you get a jump from, um, if you get a jump from an Ekvamahi who just hasn't been consistent, and if Zen or a transfer is is good enough to hold that right tackle spot, you're then seven deep, right? Because you have, yeah, you already have your five, and then you have a neck an Ekvamahi at six, and if you can get one more, and 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 here's the thing that we keep forgetting because I'm I. Don't know yeah. why, but I'm I, I trust that he's on there. He's a much higher he's he reminds me of uh, Mike Hall and that he's a much higher recruit than people realize. Um and people just kind of forget about him. And of course I'm gonna forget his name right now. Yeah. Um, and one thing you know I think we need about? to Tegra Shabola. I, I Tegra, yeah. like Tegra's going to be in this two deep. And Tegra's gonna be really gonna fight for a spot. And I'm gonna I think you'll see Hinsman in the two deep this next year. Probably not in that like initial rotation, but I think he'll be in it. But I think Tegra's in the initial rotation. I'm gonna have to pull it up to remember exactly what he is. Yeah. People forget about him just like they do Mike Hall, where like Mike Hall was a borderline five star and they just kinda like forgot he existed. So Yeah. And one thing I will say is uh, Matt Jones came in as a center. He might move there. You know, uh, Victor Cutler didn't come thinking he was going to start in his interview with 11 Warriors. He said he wants to prove to the world that he can start at a place like Ohio State. So I think that level of expectation coming in is a big thing because that really opens up some security in the decision, I think. Yeah, Tigra Shabola was 104. He was right outside the top 100, and he could very easily, as we already talked about with offensive linemen, he could very easily have been mis, um, like misgraded, especially because he's from Ohio. So, so yeah. like, I think sometimes and I don't want to get too far down the road with this. I think sometimes you have to give Ohio guys an extra bump because we don't have spring ball and like, they just don't that like I, I was reading this one thing where like most of the recruiters are in the Southeast. So like they don't get to Ohio that often and they don't like no offensive linemen. There is a chance and I'm not predicting it, but there is a chance that Tegra Shabola really could have been the second or third or fourth best tackle. And even if he wasn't, even if he was properly graded, the 10th best tackle in the country, number 104 with the full offseason and he's not expected to start he's gonna be i think he's going to be the backup right tackle or the backup left tackle that's yeah. another added depth so then if you get a neck a, another a year and a neck Vamahi where he is actually consistent and reliable now you're seven or eight deep and no it's not this great line with all these five stars but it's about like continuity and like trust and you can kind of get a cohesive unit and and like at the end of the day that's yeah, what matters 100%. can they build a cohesive unit who who picks up on on each other's flaws and can um you know make you know can do like be in the right place and make the right thing like we may not have the road grader who is on the highlight tape but are they yeah. always in front of their guy are they always in the right spot are they giving the running backs another extra second to get uh, in the hole another yard without being untouched and it's possible yeah, big point. Yeah. I don't know if they're going to do it but it's possible yeah for sure yeah 
Uh, I don't think we need to get too far into the questions about the quarterback. I think we both trust Ryan Day's quarterback yeah. development. And we'll have a uh, podcast where we go over yeah, everybody. It's gonna, we have plenty of time there. I think that was really I wanted to center around the offensive line there. Uh, but I do think, uh, you know, me with my girlfriend for a long time now, we've watched Twilight plenty of times, and – uh, there's Team Edward and there's Team Jacob. Uh, we've got a quarterback competition here um, for you guys in relationships with people who enjoy Twilight. Um, you guys know what I'm talking about. It's very, it's a very big deal when you've got two teams. I remember everything was a team for a while when we were <laughs> kind of coming up. It felt like for sure there was what Team Peta, Team what's the other guy's name, Gail. I don't know. That was a big one. I know just I just don't know their name. There was a lot. There was a lot of those. And we got one. We've got our own as sports guys now. We've got our own teams. Team Devin Brown, Team Kyle McCord. We've got to establish ourselves now. Yeah, I I think I've already made my my stance known. Uh, I'm the Brigadier General of the Kyle McCord Militia. Um... Don't ask me what Brigadier General means. Like, I don't actually know how high that is. I don't know anything about the military, but I like the sound. It sounds important. So uh, I'm the Brigadier General of the Kyle McCord Militia. Also, I just think in, like, the progression of age groups, which really doesn't matter with the transfer portal and things like that, it makes the most sense for him to start because it gives you the most people in the room without having to go to the transfer portal. Because if Devin Brown starts, you immediately lose Kyle, and then you have a quarterback who's never played and a freshman who you don't want to be your backup. And you definitely don't want the guy from Oregon State to be your backup because, like, then you're back to Chris Chuggin. Yeah, he was the backup at Oregon State. He can't be that good. Like, yeah, and they I, brought him I, in for leadership. I remember when Justin Fields got his knee rolled up on and Chris Chuganov came in. And that was not a fun experience. Um, not at but, all. No. Yeah, so the reason I want to talk about this is because I, I've been sitting on the fence. I like both guys. I think they're both fun. And I think my mind tells me Kyle McCord's going to be the starter. But that's no fun for content, right? That's not fun at all. So I am going to be the fleet admiral of the Devin Brown Brigade. And it's not about winning or losing. Uh, best quarterback winning the job is a win for all of us. Uh, but I think that's going to be fun. I'm going to be I'm going to be the Devin Brown guy on the show. I got that works for me. I think it gives some some good content. I would just like to say, and I know I brought this up a couple of times. The first I got hired at LGHL to be a strict podcaster, and I got so inspired. The first ever article that I wrote was how Kyle McCord had a better chance to be Ohio State starting quarterback than Quinn Ewers, and everybody thought I was crazy, except maybe you. Um, yeah, I did not think I you were done there because I know how much time two, it takes for. An offense to be learned, and it's not it's not two weeks, people. Yeah, and and who is still here? And I, I'm I promise you, I'm not trying to shit on the guy because I have no ill will towards him. God. Quinn Ewers didn't look good last year, which is fine yeah. because he hadn't played in like two or three years. He was at t- like I, he, hey, he was cooking bam in. In. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Like not everyone's going to come in and be Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields and be, you know, all American. Even Justin Fields wasn't right away because Jake yeah. Fromm was in his way. 
Well, okay, but that was a bad decision. I'm yeah, more mean. I'm more mean the second that they step on the field, they're an all American caliber yeah. player. Yeah, like, I get not everyone's saying. gonna be that. But like at the end of the day, I was right. And I like yeah. being right. And now I write articles all the time. That was the first ever article I wrote. And look who's still here. And yeah. Chris can attest to this. I have the, like I have been telling a bunch of people at L- LGHL that he is not going to transfer. A lot of people like quarterback transfer, quarterback transfer. And I'm like, you gotta understand. I've heard the kid talk. Yeah. I know where he's from. I've I've watched his interviews, and you can only get so much from that. But you can typically tell a kid that's not in it for the long haul. Even if they tell you they're in it for the long haul, you can typically tell are in it for the long haul. And so, like, and I think that is one of the benefits of, you know, not looking at, because here's the thing, right? I'm not saying that Lincoln Keenholz is better than uh, Dante Moore. He's probably not. But if we had Dante Moore, do you think he stays if he doesn't win the job? You gotta no, take some of this think, in, you have to take this stuff into account. And if you think you can turn Lincoln Moore, Lincoln Kinghose into Dante Moore and he's going to stay, you have to add that up. So Yeah, I mean Lincoln Kinholz is one of the fastest risers. Uh it's very rare rare in today's world where you get a three sport athlete, and I know he's in South Dakota, but when I say three sport athlete, the dude can hit home runs he could windmill dunk and he could drop dimes into he and like he, he has the rail arm strength the rail shot arm strength like he has tools you can't teach yeah and he's a college athlete in at least two of those sports yeah, i don't remember so, if he's a, like a division, sure had, uh, a division I'm one pretty, athlete in two of them i don't remember if he was a division one in all three was he i i I'm sure. I mean, I'm sure someone would have taken a flyer on him as a baseball player. Is that his worst sport? Yeah, because okay. he was. Yeah, I'm pretty sure he's a 20 points per game guy scoring in basketball. Just freaking ridiculous. So, so that's the room. That's the room Ohio State has. And one one characteristic that I think we've seen, and this was something I've kind of been holding my tongue on about with Dylan Rayola, is the timing of it to me symbolizes the fact that he felt that Ohio State wasn't going to take a 2023 quarterback. And when they did, he commits back in the recruitment, and now he's possibly going to Georgia, which, you know, that would be pretty vicious. But what I will say is Lincoln Keenos had the number one player in the country coming in behind him. He had a five-star consensus in Kyle McCord in front of him. He had a top 50 recruited Devin Brown in front of him. And he said he had a great setup at Washington. You know, Michael Panix Jr., old, going to be done after this year. Huge opportunity to come in, win the job, right? Caleb mm-hmm. DeBoer's offense is fun. He said, no. Ohio State's had two first-round picks, going to be three first-round picks. And I think I could win that job. That is the psychopath I want in the room. Yeah, and and and, and as much as as we talk about like CJ Stroud not having some of that psychopath in certain areas, like because you know too much, uh, he has too much perspective and some of that kind of stuff, and it still pains me a little that he said the Michigan game doesn't define him when it kind of does. Um, he looked at the room and said, you have Justin Fields. He said, you have Jack Miller, who you've been on for a long time. I'm this kid that came out of nowhere that you're on late. You want to take two quarterbacks in this class? Cool. I'll beat everybody out. And then 
Right after that, they bring in a guy who's more highly recruited than him in a five-star Kyle McCord, and he doesn't blink. He doesn't say, man, now I have to fight against these two quarterbacks. One is no. the first one that you offered. Another one is this five-star who's literally in the class next to me, and I have to battle all three of them. No, he says, all right, my job. Like, And now one's at Florida, and one's competing for the Ohio State job. It's a mind. There, there's a certain mindset that you need at certain positions. At wide receiver, yeah. wide receiver is slightly different because you know, like you have more players. But like, think about how many five star wide receivers are coming to Ohio State and not touching the field except on special teams. You're getting yeah. the cream of the crop, the prima donnas of the of the position to say, yeah, I'll sit. Well, I mean, they've seen you only really need a year. Yeah. Like year two, you start getting those Garrett Wilson reps when he was in year two, and then you're good to go. And then you have guys like Xavier Worthy who almost transferred two years in a row and complain about not getting enough touches. Martin yeah, Harrison like, Jr. wasn't complaining about not getting enough touches <laughs> last year. literally left Pitt after winning the Blenikoff. Yeah, so – not, not, everything I, is not rosy at Ohio State, but there are a couple of things that I think that they're doing really well that are a little understated. And I, I think personally, I think people don't pay enough attention to culture. And I think that that is very important in sports. And I think we see it all the time. And somehow people forget it every year. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, as much as that loss sucked, you know, uh, to Georgia, like I think that was very much a culture game and you could see it. Uh, and Ohio State in, in modern football, quarterbacks and receivers aren't they're in a way a dime a dozen now. Every kid in California who plays quarterback has a private quarterback coach at this point. But, you know, getting that elite quarterback, getting those elite receivers, it puts you so far ahead in 2023 and Ohio State has that because what would you rather have a new quarterback a five-star quarterback in Texas A&M situation where you didn't know who's playing receiver or you want to have your new five-star quarterback your new highly recruited quarterback throwing to Marvin Harris his first college passes to Marvin Harris because listen I got a bad shoulder and I might need surgery again I have a couple of docs appointments coming up but within 15 yards I could throw to Marvin Harrison so I'm taking the guy throwing to Marvin Harrison. I don't care who it is. Yeah. I could I could throw slants, ten yard ins, ten yard outs, uh, comebacks, curls to Marvin Harrison all day. Now maybe not off opposite field. It, it, you know we'd have to be. Nah, on the I hash can't get it out to I, the numbers yeah. anymore. Nah, like I, we'd have to be on the hash, and I'd have to throw to the near hash. Like I'm not throwing from hash to sideline on the other side, but I can I can hit them routes to him for sure. So if I could do it. What is a five-star quarterback going to do with him like? Yeah, that's you know? true. I, it, it's really one of those things. Anything past uh, 15 yards, though, I'm done. Take me out, coach. Yeah, like, I got one of those. I, I probably have like six of those throws past 15 yards in my arm left. And I'm not wasting total. them. Yeah, total. You <laughs> count them up. I'm, I'm going to save those for when I have kids. Yeah, I, I don't even know. Like, Listen, I don't even know if I have six yet, which is crazy because I, I used to have a very, very strong arm. Like, I'm really hoping when that transition happens, I'm back 
back to using the small ball so I can just rebuild the arm strength over time again. Yeah. See, see, not now you're thinking. You start when they're kids. You start with the small ball. You, you you get some reps in. You rebuild it. Get a little bit of therapy. And then when they're older, you can throw deep. See, I, I like the way you think. Um, so by the time I'm like whatever age I am, I'm going to be yeah, going to have a whole new arm basically. Restart. Yeah. New yeah. life cycle. It's like a son. Yeah. When I was like, when I was younger, I had a crazy arm, especially in baseball. I like if I could control it, I'd have been a really solid pitcher. I had no control, which is yeah. why I played. I put I had enough control to throw from third base to first. You have to have a strong arm to play third base, and I could throw from deep in the outfield in without a cutoff. But precision throwing, where you didn't have like you know like you have a if you have a good first baseman, you you got a long range you can throw that ball. You got a range. You're right. I could not hit a strike zone. <laughs> but yeah, now my arm is a noodle arm and I can't do anything. So shout out yeah, to the surgery. <laughs> yeah. I can't make fun of Graham Mertz, Mr. Noodle Arm, but Yeah, yeah. So his arm's less noodly than mine, but uh, <laughs> yeah, maybe our, not by much. I think he got about five or six throws outside of twenty yards left too. <laughs> yeah. He's getting old too. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, but yeah, what we when we reminisce about our noodle arms, we'll send you guys to the advertisements. I don't care if you listen to them anymore. Uh, yeah, skip them. I know you guys probably do that anyways. That's fine. Uh, we'll see you on the break. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Welcome back in, everybody. This is your host, Christopher Rennie, bringing another episode of the Buck Off Podcast with Land Grant Holy Land. Um, yeah, uh, Noodle Arm Express. I'm glad we don't have to throw against Ohio State's defense. Um, yeah. Biggest, biggest questions. Let's keep it going. Uh, Ohio State's defense aside. Um, I, I really – I'm looking at it. I'm really trying to take it with a positive perspective. Uh, I think the corners will be better because you can't get much worse. I think with health, I just need a healthy offseason from the corners to get excited again. If we go through an offseason for Iron State corners where they don't have to battle all those injuries coming into camp and then coming into the first game of the season where we don't even know who's going to be starting at corner. Like that is the one thing I would prefer Ohio state avoiding. And if they do that, I feel like they'll be in a good place. Safety. I feel like it's a pretty strong group. Uh, well, relatively, I think there's going to be a lot of, there's not a lot of turnover. So, and I think replacing Ronnie, as much as we like the rocket himself, uh, not probably going to be the most challenging in Ohio state's history, replacing him as a player. Um, and then I think my biggest concerns, uh, it's not even really concerned. It's defensive line depth. Like who steps up, who's going to be after the four. I feel like the starters are very defined. I feel like we know who's going to be the first four guys. Uh, we've seen some flashes from guys on that side. Caden Curry played a lot. We're going to have the young guys year two in the weight room, getting a little size on them. Um, 
the interior is a worry to me because there was pretty solid depth there last year. Yeah, so you actually kind of surprised me. I thought I was going to be different um, with what I was going to say, but no, we were on the same page. Defensive line. So let me ask you a question. You may know the answer, but I'm also asking this to uh, the listeners. Uh, You don't have to know who, but what was the number of the most sacks on this team this year? Oh, yeah, I was just looking at this. It's four and a half. Okay. Do you know what it was last year? Uh, like six and a half? It was five and a half. All right, hold oh, on. So hold on. I, have one, I really I have... gave them more credit than I than they deserved. Yeah, I have one more year to look at. Although this could be the Chase Young year, so I could be off because I don't remember how what long. Was it, like 23 and a half? <laughs> hold on. <laughs> Oh, oh, wait, 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 wait. This is not the Chase Young year. We have one one more year. Do you know what it was in 2020? Oh, man. Uh, Wait, we had Jonathan Cooper. Yep. Probably like. And I'll I'll give you a hint. Jonathan Tyreek Smith. Jonathan Cooper led the team in sacks. All right, so it had to be like eight and a half. I don't think he was a 10 sack guy. <laughs> you you are so kind. Three and, and a half. half. Oh my god. Yeah. Is that COVID here? Yes. Yeah. So that's a part so of it. But he played eight seven. games. He played eight um, games. For it would have been five. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah. So in three consecutive years, our sack leaders were three and a half, five and a half, four and a half. That is not Ohio State. And that directly like I am not going to sit here and pretend that our DBs are amazing. They haven't been for a while. But what we have to remember is that, in my opinion, people argue about this all the time. Does the front help the back end more than the back end helps the front? If you don't know what I'm talking about, although I don't assume any of our listeners yeah, don't really know football. The front definitely helps the back end more than the back end helps right. the front. And what we mean by that is, does the defensive line help, help the secondary more, or does the secondary help the defensive line more? For some reason, people argue this, but if, you, if the quarterback only has a, a two seconds to throw the ball, that's going to help the, the the corners a lot more than coverage sacks. Coverage sacks don't really happen that often. No, you want if you want to do something stupid, all right, go find a friend and try to chase him around for five seconds. Just like have him run full speed, chase him around for five seconds. It's not easy. Yeah, and then imagine doing that for someone that runs a four three and has been doing cone drills since they were three years old. Like, yeah, that's why wide receivers are so good right now. Like they've been they've been being wide receivers since they were three. So the thing is, three and a half, five and a half, four and a half. You are not helping out your corners, mm. not in the slightest. So I'm not going to pretend that they were all great because some of these years we had seven banks starting. They were. Yeah, uh, they still don't play the ball well, but yeah. like. But like, you're also not helping when you can't get any pressure, and you got to remember like. Jeff Okuda, Damon Arnett. Some of these guys weren't good in the league. And I think some of the reasons they weren't good in the league is because it's easy to look good when you have Joey Bosa, Nick Bosa, you have Sam Hubbard, you have Chase Young. Like Sam Hubbard is arguably the best defensive lineman on the Bengals. And he was not supposed to be that. Like he was not supposed to be that. You have Jonathan Cooper, who's good in the league. You have, um, 
who was the other one that just like randomly got really good in the league? You have a couple defensive tackles that like we never thought about that are pretty uh, good. Jonathan like, Hankins, uh, was, Jonathan Hankins is balling was on for the Cowboys, right? Yeah, the Cowboys. He had like in their first playoff win, he had like the game ceiling tackle or sack or something like that. Like you had these guys that helped the back end. We have the five stars, but like four and a half sacks in their second year. That's when you're supposed to take the jump. Well, I was predicting ten sacks, and here's the thing: I didn't even realize this. Jack Sawyer led the team in sacks. It was the quietest four and a half I've ever seen. But he yeah, most of them happened late. It was a tie between him and Mike Hall. Mike's Hall happened in the beginning. Jack Sawyer happened late. JT was somewhere around three or four. I'm going to pull it up to be exact. So, yeah, one of my biggest concerns is the, is the line because who's actually getting production? I think getting yeah. Mitchell Melton back is going to help. I think year three – is gonna help, but if Ty Lee can't stay healthy, and you, you just need my- guys who can provide more consistent pressure, and it doesn't have to be one guy. Like as a unit, it was a low number. Like, and that's tough. And even with the linebackers adding their sacks to it, it was still a low number. Yeah, uh, JT had three and a half. He was tied with Zach. Our total. St- and I- uh, I'll say this, like JT's not going to be a 10 sack guy. That's my prediction. I he's not that type of player. That's not his mm-hmm. skill set. Oh, yeah, and that's he that's fine. He's still disruptive. Uh Jack to me seems more like the 10 sack capable guy because of his speed and his ability to get tackles off balance. And if he gets a little bit stronger, it'll be even more dangerous for him. But, but do we- it I, do we confidently have a 10 sack guy? No, I don't think so right now. And I won't even because this is like like we said at the beginning, we were, we preface this show like this is the beginning. We're probably going to be more reasonable. We're going to talk ourselves up. I don't think there's a ten sack guy on the roster right now. Yeah, I'm not sure yet. And this is not to disparage any of them. JT obviously was great. He had he only had three and a half sacks, but he had ten and a half tackles for loss, two interceptions, uh, like four pass defense, and a forced fumble. Like he had a good season. He played enough to be a first round pick. This is not to say that he's not. But you need someone to really step up. Like, you need – like, you at least need an eight-sack guy. I'm sorry. You can do the team sack thing if you want to, but we should have three people over five sacks. And the fact that we have it for three years in a row, the fact that we've had two years where nobody hit five sacks, that's not good. And yeah, that's why and, I hate to know, say it. We haven't done our it's, coach show. It's one guy. But I, I, I hate like I don't know when we're doing our coach show, but it, I think it might be time. I think I think it's time for Larry, like because his thing has been development and he hasn't done that. He hasn't done that since Chase. And to be honest, he didn't do it with Chase because Chase never had a running mate. Every good no, defense just a- that we've had for years had a running mate. He didn't have a Sam Hubbard. He didn't yeah. have a Jonathan Cooper. And Jonathan Cooper was on the roster, but he wasn't Jonathan Cooper. He was hurt that year where Chase had the super year. Yeah, like he didn't have, um, like, I can't even think of players right now, but he didn't have these other guys who were going to be third and fourth round picks and better pros than they were, or other second round picks. Like, we, he hasn't done that in a long time. And so it, I keep saying I'm going to save these things to the coach show. I don't know when that's coming, but I have opinions when that show comes. And that's all I'm going to say. Yeah, it's definitely a group where you. He really, it's 
because now granted expecting every defense lineman to be Chase Young or Nick Bosa or Joey Bosa is probably a fool's errand there but there's got to be some semblance of a baseline between what that is and what Ohio State's got it from their edge rushers there has to be um it, now granted um you know, teams do try to get the ball out quick, and it, it's really like you, you don't stack up the sacks in the big games. You don't. It's those games against overmatched teams where you should be just counting up sacks. That's where, like, Chase Young's best game ever was against Wisconsin, and I'm not here to say that that's uh, – oh, my God, Iowa. Come on. Nope, it's over. That was bad loss. Uh, I need to quit getting on FanDuel in the morning and making irrational decisions. That's your lesson for the show. But back to the topic, like you need to – we just need to find a guy that gets that level. JT wasn't at that level as a rusher. Jack hasn't been at that level as a rusher. And I, I just think it's time to really start asking questions about that group. Yeah, and for me, I ain't just saying it, but it's time to ask questions about the coach. Okay, so I I had to pull this up because we talked about not having a running mate. And, you know, somehow sometimes you, like, romanticize players and you think that they're better than they were. I'm going to go through Sam Hubbard's sacks because we mentioned him directly, okay? And... um, Okay. In 2015, he had six and a half sacks, eight tackles for loss. We haven't seen that. And in 2016, that's his worst year. He had three and a half sacks, eight and a half tackles for loss. That's about where we're at right now. In 2017, the year he had drafted, he had seven sacks, 13 and a half tackles for loss. And the thing that we got to remember about this, Sam Hubbard never led the team in sacks. Never. And that's more so, than... In, and that's, uh, 2018, Draymond Jones had eight and a half sacks. So, oh, I hadn't got the 2018. So, I'm at 2015 right now. Our top three sack leaders... Uh, no, I'm going to go top five because five of them had more than what we've seen in some of these last years. Tyquan Lewis had eight sacks, 14 tackles for a loss. Sam Hubbard, again, six and a half, eight tackles for a loss. This is Joey Bush's freshman year, I believe. He had five sacks, 16 tackles for a loss. And then Darren, oh, Darren Lee, because he's fucking amazing. Four and a half sacks, 11 tackles for a loss. And then Adolphus Washington had four sacks, seven tackles for loss. And then Josh Perry, a linebacker, three and a half sacks, seven and a half tackles for loss. That year, we had – That year, he's, he's, he ends up being number six. That year, we had eight sacks, eight sacks from linebackers alone. All right. I, I, I'm sorry that we're getting stuck on this, but I really need to talk about it because people are going to be crazy in like a, a month and a half when we finally have the coach show and I call for his head. I'm warning you now that I am going to do it. So, 2016, I'm going to read fast because I don't want I don't want this to take too long. Um, is this 2016? Did Taekwon Lewis lead us in sacks too? Okay, Taekwon. Okay, so... 2016. Ohio State player ever is what we're learning. It, it seems like it. 2016, 
Tyquan Lewis, eight sacks. Okay, this was Joey Bosa's last year where he was battling some injuries. That's why the last year he only had five. So Tyquan Lewis, eight sacks, ten and a half tackles for a loss. Nick Bosa, five sacks, seven and a half, seven tackles for a loss. Jerome Baker, a linebacker, three and a half tackle, three and a half, three and a half sacks, nine and a half tackles for a loss. Sam Hubbard, three and a half sacks, eight and a half tackles for a loss. Raekwon McMillan, two sacks, seven uh, tackles for loss. This was not a good year. But even still, there was four people who have been at our sack leader in the last three years. And I'm only going to do one more year because once you get to 2018, you start getting the chase. And we all should remember what that looked like. Yeah. 2017. One man. Yeah. 2017. This was Nick Bosa's last year before he dealt with the injury. Um, This was his sophomore year where he went crazy. Uh, And this would have been Chase's, I believe, freshman year where he didn't play a whole, whole lot. Nick Bosa, eight and a half sacks, 16 tackles for loss. Sam Hubbard, seven sacks, 13 and a half tackles for loss. Tyquan Lewis, seven sacks, nine and a half tackles for loss. If you're not paying attention, Tyquan Lewis went eight sacks, eight sacks, seven sacks. We don't even have a Tyquan Lewis, and people don't remember how good he was. Jerome Baker, three and a half sacks, eight tackles for loss. Chase Young, three and a half sacks, five tackles for loss. We haven't seen that, and you'll notice Nick Bosa. Joey Bosa, and these last couple years, they didn't hit that 10-sack mark yet. Like, Joey didn't get his last season. Nick didn't get it his second season. He actually never got it because his third season, he dealt with injury. We don't need a 10-sack guy, but we could do with three guys at 8.5-7-7, and we ain't seen that. Yeah, I think that is – I mean, it's it's been – I wouldn't say it's been tough to watch, but it does feel like it, it needs to stop being like, oh, we're almost there. We've got a guy who's really close. Like, I got it. Like, they don't get home. That's just facts. Like, I don't know how much more we can talk about it. I don't know how much more we can say it. Like, there is not enough production from the defensive line. And I have I have to pull it up really quickly, and this is the last thing I'm going to say about it, so we can talk about other things. But in 2017, that was the last year that I was on. There were 16 players, 16 players credited with at least half a sack. I don't know the number for 2022 yet, as I uh, am wasting some time so I can pull it up. But I bet you it's not 16. Uh, okay, let's while it's pulling up over under nine. Credited for a sack uh, last year. Over. Over? Okay. Yeah. Oh, you're right. It's actually 16. I was surprised. I didn't expect that many. But we had a lot of guys with like 0.5 and 0.1 and nobody with more than five. So you're right. We had 16. Caden, my boy Caden Curry's in there, you know. But yeah. who, who is Ryan Turner? Cornerback. Is that a corner? He's credited with the sack. Yeah, Cat Blitz. Cat Blitz. Love those. One and one. Yeah, I don't. I don't. But like, I uh, yeah. Lacey Ritz went one and a half. So yeah. Either way, you all get the point. We don't have to talk about it no more. We'll talk about it later, especially when we get to the coach show. Yeah. But this defensive line, it just hasn't been living up to the expectation of what we should be, and it's not a singular player. Yeah. It's the unit. It's just the group. And to be honest, like I really only have two concerns about the team last next year. And that's the offense. That's it. Front set the play from the two fronts, the defensive front and the offensive front. And, you know, Tommy coming back, going to be great at linebacker. I, I feel confident in the secondary to be better. And I think 
I'm giving the benefit of the doubt to both Tim Waltz and Imperi Eliano because oh. I think something we always forget is when you hire new coaches and build a new staff, they were also learning the scheme too. I'm not giving so, it to Tim, but Perry got it. Well, I honestly, I think Tim deserves more of the benefit of the doubt because I don't even know how many times he actually had his players at practice during the season because they're injured. That okay, that's fair. I'm still not ready like, to forgive him, but like that is a very good point. It's like how you coach when uh, he like when I, the Cleveland.com reported that Denzel Burke showed up with a cast on his hand after going to the doctor before practice. I was like, you know what? I couldn't do the job any better than Tim Walton could. And he's a paid professional. Uh, so that's what I really kind of was like, all right, maybe we can't. We can't really bring this guy. It's fine. He deserves a second year at, at best. If yeah. we're going to give everybody this, it was their first year kind of yeah, like and thing. And if he keeps finding Jermaine Matthews and Calvin Simpson's hunts around the country, uh, players love Uncle Tim. Yeah, but hey, listen. Need to see production. Listen, or, uh, Tim, be on his head. Tim, if we don't see production and if you don't land Bryce West, just resign. Don't even let them fire you. If on signing yeah. day, Bryce West goes anywhere that's not Ohio, there's. I'm going to give you three quick reasons of why he should be Ohio State. He's the number one player in the state. He goes to fucking Glenville. Nobody at Glenville that's worth being at Ohio State should ever go anywhere else throughout the history of that school. And three, he's at the biggest position of need. Like, yeah, give him everything. What uh, with it's basically uh, his Luke Montgomery this year. Like, if he ends up anywhere else, he failed as a recruiter. I mean, I I get what you're saying, but this is Zach Harrison. This is Paris was in Ohio, right? Yeah, Paris was Paris. Ohio. He was This is Paris. This is that this is bigger than Luke. This is freaking yeah, this like he can't he, he can't he be Jackson guy. Carmen, right? He can't go somewhere else. Like you can't yeah. let that well, kid go to freaking Alabama or something. I think it is funny because the Jackson Carmen one I think ended up working out. Well yeah, but like, you know. You didn't like it in the moment. Uh, and I still think they would prefer having him back. Um, yeah, especially the opportunity. Yeah, because, you know, they're probably going to, as you should, they're going to think but that shout they could have gotten better out of him. Because that really built in our, you know, he who must not be named. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's where it all started, basically. For sure. So, yeah. You can't if he misses on Bryce West, get him out of there. Like yeah, this is for sure. you, like this whole like oh Brian Hardline as offensive coordinator means he can you know he can recruit for the whole offense. Okay, he also needs to be recruiting for the defense. Brian Hartline, Perry Eliano, everybody needs to. Be, I'll call him. Yeah, you know, like, I, does he? Daily accept truth call call up. What's up, bro? <laughs> he, you commit, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, <laughs> the book on Twitter page is now going to be a bot, and it's just going <laughs> to tweet at Bryce West. Yo, Ohio State yet or not? How you doing? I actually, so I don't go to many games, uh, but I, I might, I might have to see what Glenville's talking about next. If it comes year. down to Columbus, I will come and see them. But 
Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm from I'm, I'm, I'm from up there, so I'll just go You'll see family. You'll probably be up there around. Yeah, there. I'll just, yeah, I'll just go see family there. and then just uh, go slide up to Cleveland to see a game, no matter where you fall. Yeah. I don't think Cleveland yeah. is a public school, so I don't think they do the whole playing all over the place kind of thing. They're in Cleveland. I think there's enough stuff up there. Yeah, there's plenty of teams up there. Um, yeah, last thing we missed during uh, the week. Well, we missed a few things, actually, but uh, we are going to – we need to talk about it. We need to get this out there. Brian Hartline is the offensive coordinator. You mentioned it. I kind of got my mind to it. Uh, we were both kind of hesitant about this move. I think what this says to me is Ryan Day is – still very much in charge of what the offense looks like. Uh, the only thought, so I, I I tend to do this. I try to come and bring some reason behind decisions. And I will say, I don't know if there are many offensive coaches in the country who have his, ex- there aren't any who have his experience really at the NFL level. Like go check the record books for most receiving yards in the game. Like, Brian Hartline's up there. Uh, not a lot of coordinators across the country can look people in the eyes and be like, yeah, I was him at one point. Uh, and I think that NFL experience is incredibly valuable because it's like everyone says, like you go, they always talk about college coaches leaving for the NFL. And the biggest thing is it's like you going from undergrad to grad school like just the level of knowledge that you take in. Um, And I think that still kind of fits in with a player playing for eight, nine years in the NFL. You're going to, you're going to pull some tricks away. Now, will he have that same wealth of experience as Kevin Wilson in building an offense and teaching an offense and doing all that stuff? No, but I think Ryan day will be there to guide him along there. And Brian Hartline's a smart guy. So I, I feel like that's where I talked myself into this, but I'm still not the biggest fan of the move necessarily, and I don't think that will end until I see him in the offense next year. Yeah, uh, for sure. Uh, <clears throat> side note, uh, Glenville played Olin Tansy this year. They actually played down here. It's the only team that was really in this area, so maybe they will have, you know, somewhere a little bit closer. I don't, know Bishop where, Watterson, I don't know Bishop like, Waterson. I don't know where Bell, I don't know where Bell where I live. I don't know what Bellevue is, but most of it was up in Cleveland. They don't release high school schedules this soon. We won't know in, until a, a, a yeah, while. They know the schedule, but it's not going to really. Yeah, for sure. Um, but yeah, it, so here's my thing. Like, at the end of the day, people have to be able to prove it, right? I just have a hard time allowing people to prove it at Ohio State. And I think we're starting to lean towards too many people proving that they can coach at Ohio State, which is why I would have preferred a good offensive coordinator. If you have Ryan Day and an established offensive coordinator, and then you have young coaches and uh, Keenan Bailey and um, why am I going to forget the quarterbacks coach, uh, Corey Dennis and like that kind of stuff, it kind of balances out. But when you now you have three young coaches. I mean, I guess Corey Dennis isn't young anymore, but you have a young coach and you have a young-ish coach still and Corey Dennis, especially even though I wrote the article and I believe that he is doing more than people give him credit for, you still have Ryan Day leading that room. Now you have a young coach and offensive coordinator. Um, 
and Brian Hartline. And at the end of the day, Justin Fry is still pretty young, and this is only his second year at this level. You That's four of the offensive coaches trying to prove that they can do it at the Ohio State level, and I just don't think that that is what Ohio State should be doing. I think you should be able yeah, to right. look across the line of every single coach and say they're top five at absolute worst, top ten in the country. Jim Nolan. Yeah. Top ten, um, top five probably. Uh, Larry Johnson has taken a step back, but he's still probably top ten, right? Top 10. Like, I, uh, like uh, Perry Eli- Perry Eliano. If he's not top ten, he's close. If you would have got Ohio State, would have had very, a lot of job offers. Yeah, he all was very, very, very well, like you know, thought of. Um, Tony Alfred, Tim Walton, very well respected in NFL yeah. circles. Right, uh, I'm not. He was know, probably to... a top ten DB coach in the NFL. Yeah. So it's and then you look at this like Keenan Bailey can't be a top ten tight ends coach. Yeah, I mean, maybe Corey Dennis is top ten quarterback all. coach, but you can't prove it. Even though I believe in it, him, it's really hard to prove that one. It's always hard to prove like. Like, if there was, like, a linebacker's coach on the staff, it'd be really hard to prove that he did the work because Jim Knowles is a linebacker guy. Right. Like, Grant Gay's the quarterback's guy. Like, he's always going to get the credit. And yeah. I – so, like, with the position coach, fine. Like, I'd love I'd love all the position coaches to be Keenan Bailey's, Justin Fry's, young guys like that. And that's what Brian Hartline was. It's just you really wish you could have gotten it. Like, you kind of wish – like, I wish there was, like, a way to have, like, a coach's farm system where they could, like – Without it being like that you know, competitive nature, like you know, see Brian Hartline be like the offense, co- like in high school coaching circles, like yeah, the wide receiver coach might be the offense coordinator for the JV team. You actually like, yeah. get to see it come to fruition. You get to see how they teach. You get to see how they do that stuff. Don't have that luxury. And, but and I think I, we both knew. I think we both knew that he was. It was going to be Brian Hartline because he is irreplaceable as a recruiter. Yeah, and, and and so I know you can't project that. Um, what's his name is leaving? I'm so bad with names when I'm on the spot. I know you can't project Kevin that Wilson. Was, Kevin Wilson was leaving, but if this was ever even a thought, you should have co-coordinated him a year or two before so people could like I was like oh he's a part of it he knows the job he's yeah. a pro now you're just giving it to him cold turkey and it's like who can teach him how to do that job right and Ryan yeah, well, he's about, I might coordinator. what's that uh, mean yeah I, mean, I don't believe I don't think that. he's giving up play calling now yeah and that's the other thing like you think he's giving up play calling to a first time offensive coordinator honestly if he gave up play calling to him that would give me so much more faith in Brian Hart yeah, like, wow like he like he really believes in this guy. He must have really like done something in there. You know how it worked. Like every every coach in the offensive staff definitely got an internal interview for the job. Like yeah, Tony got an interview. Uh, Justin Fry got an interview, and that means Brian Hartline proved to Ryan Day that he was the best option on the staff because, like we said, once Keaton Bailey got promoted, uh, it either met another coach was leaving or the offense coordinator was already on the staff. And we got the answer. It was Brian Hartline. Um, but it's definitely not something I'm going to like sit and stew over. I'm just really excited to see if there are any changes to the offense, what they do. Because I think we've talked about it a lot. Like We lean towards Justin Fry because of his history you know, with Chip Kelly and the running game, developing a more diverse run scheme. Because it felt like the passing game was very well intact and already solid with Ohio State. So, 
I thought, you know, maybe Ryan Day with his passing background would hire or promote a more run game oriented guy. And that just wasn't the case. And that's fine. But I think that's going to be an interesting aspect. How do they develop that? Yeah. Uh, it'll, it's definitely very interesting. I'm, you know, I, I'm not wishing bad on anyone. I would love for Brian Hartline to be a lifer. Uh, I would love for like Brian Hartline to be so good that when Ryan Day retires or goes to the NFL, we don't even consider Luke Fickle. It's just like give that guy the job. Like that would yeah. be a, a great story. All of this kind of stuff. I'm not wishing bad on anyone. It's just when you're at this level and you're one or two plays away, you're you're. A slight, like well, yeah, a, a defense five spots better away from really winning a national championship. It's just hard to believe that that's the guy to do it. But it's I it's don't think like that a, Kevin Wilson did anything. So maybe maybe it'll be better. Who yeah, knows? it's yeah, it's one of those things. Like we we roasted Kevin Wilson. Now he's gone. I'm talking his praises. Like you know, like what six months ago, I was like, what does Kevin Wilson do for a job? He's legalized bank robbing. <sighs> Okay, it's just, oh man, he did, he did enough. I, I, I think, I, like, I mean, hey, if they get more five star recruits, it won't be hard for him to do his job. Yeah. Um, side note, Kevin Wilson's staff at Tulsa is pretty interesting. Hopefully, he just you know treats his his uh, he treats his players like human beings. He he seemed to have a problem oh, with that at Indiana. Um, I was just thinking to myself, you know, what just happened is that whole farm system idea I just came up with is happening at Tulsa now. Yeah. I'll, I'll, Trust me. Trust me. I peeped. I peeped. I don't know why Matt Guerrero needed to go because he was already a safety coach, and I think that they should have just moved Perry to corners and, and hired him. But some of Noel's assistants just happening, because none of the offensive guys went, but some of Noel's assistants just happening to get defensive jobs at Tulsa. Also, we yeah. talk about this with Nick Saban. I'm ready to say it. Ryan Day got him that job. He he pushed him out because you can't tell me there's a single team in the country that was looking at Kevin Wilson because if that's the case, he would have had interviews the last two or three years. He went from nobody talking about him to being a, a he, job. I feel like, you know, interviewing for the Akron job to getting the Tulsa he job. Like, for the Akron job? Last year, yeah, like. Akron is a significantly worse job than the Tulsa job. Yeah, 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 yeah. I didn't, I didn't realize he interviewed for the Akron job, but that's uh, like a sixty rank job increase. Because like we've talked about this on the show before, Akron probably has the worst funding in all of college sports. It's it's very close. And going like it is not a job like. People take it. That's one of those ones where it's like a D three coach trying to move up to the Division one level. Not like like Joe Moorhead's doing the like the Lord's work up there. Like yeah, Joe, trying to get the job done. But I just feel like Joe Moorhead could have waited for something better. But you know, it's fine. He really wanted that, I guess. Um, yeah. But yeah, like I'm just I, thinking, it's, it's going to be good. We talked about it's going to be fun to watch now. Yeah, we talk about Nick Saban. You know. Pushing away uh, Pete Golding and, and, and Pete Bill Bryan, I I I have to believe that Ryan Day did the same thing because I just can't believe Tulsa like really just like I need this guy. Hey, uh, yeah, now uh, what is it? You need two uh, letters of recommendation. Ryan Day finally wrote him one. <laughs> he's like, he's like, I feel like he knows someone down at Tulsa. Tulsa was just at Ohio, just played at Ohio State last year, the year before. The yeah, year before. Well, and 
Yeah, and Kevin Wilson like cut his teeth coaching Oklahoma. That's got to be kind of exciting for Tulsa fans. Yeah, that that's true. Uh, so shout out to Ryan Day for you know, like fifteen years his, ago. But yeah, he he, he nudged his man to a new job. We we love that because he needed to get off our staff. But yeah, I mean, I I don't think either of us are mad at Brian Hartline getting the job. I just think no. we had big expectations that they were doing more, and it's not like anyone on the offensive staff has done a bad job. Obviously, it's like yeah. they're top ten in every offensive category every single year. So it's like I mean, we'll, we'll have to talk about Tony Allen, but um, that area, continuity's not a bad thing. Yeah, I will say because you mentioned something, and this is like you just made me think of something mid-show. There's a balance between me saying because I've said this before, why the hell are all of our assistants sixty, and then also saying. You can't give a young guy like like what like so it's like yeah so how so, uh, uh what's his name Keenan Bailey's like twenty nine or tw- or thirty something like that Ryan Walter yeah. got a head coaching job at like thirty six by the way so it's like would I have felt better if it was a thirty year old from Alabama or a thirty year old from a, a Georgia or a place that I respected because like you just put that in my mind like up and keep saying we need a younger staff we need a more relatable staff yeah. why is everyone sixty why is everyone so old and then we we get young guys and I complain about it and it's like is it like do you, do it's you just to trust it, the system would I be happy just, if they know, came from somewhere else it's, it's there's just, no way to build like a perfect staff you know yeah. it's like what do you want like what does Ryan Day need when he first got the job he needed experience around him Greg Madison uh God dang, Kevin Wilson. God, how did I blink on Kevin Wilson's name right away? Uh, we were just talking about it. Those were his two hires. Those are two guys he brought in, you know, and then he brought in two younger guys with him in Mike Yersick and Jeff Halfley, both left after a year for different reasons. And hey, and Greg Madison left. And then now you got Kerry Cone. So we went the old Ohio State route. And I think that's where we kind of soured on the promoting from within. The defensive staff this time around was built completely outside. Um, different ages. I think, like, even, like, honestly, Perry Eliano's still young for a coach. Oh, yeah. Uh, listen, I, I've i I've went toe-to-toe with people on this. Honestly, like, Jim Knowles is still technically young for a coach you know, yeah. like in his mid-50s. Yeah, Perry, listen – Perry, we are lucky to have Perry. I know people don't think so because he was at Cincy, but people like I, I can't remember the names because I'm not like that. But like the people who have cut their teeth at Cincinnati, just head coaches, Luke Fickle, uh Bear Bryant. No, Bear Bryant's not Cincy. Did I make that up? Um I don't know. Yeah, I, can't remember, I can't remember the. Uh, okay. Brian Kelly was Cincy. Brian, yeah. Brian Kelly. They're like three or four back to back to back Ooh. to back coaches uh, what's at his Cincy. Name? Uh, who, did a motorcycle crash? Bobby Petrino coach at Cincinnati. Did he? Uh, I'm gonna. Have, I have to Google it really quick. Cincinnati is a really good feeder job. Um, yeah, uh, Bobby Petrino. Um, let's see. Let's see. I swear he did. Come on, nope, he didn't. I was wrong. And there's only like one guy in the history who, at at uh, Cincinnati who hasn't won. Yeah, uh, and that's, I thought that was Bobby Petrino, to be honest. Oh, okay. Mike Dan wasn't Mark Dan. Which one's the basketball coach? Mike D'Antoni's best coach. Mark D'Antonio was uh, a coach at Cincinnati, I believe. Oh, was he? Uh, Tommy Tuberville did not win. That's a guy. That's, 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 Butch that's Jones true. even. Yeah, Butch Jones went nine and three. So, um, 
you have Mark D'Antonio. You have that's Michigan State, right? Uh, yeah. Because this should be football. Because you have Mark D'Antonio. We know what he did. You have Brian Kelly. We know what he did. You have Butch Jones. We know what he did. You have Tommy Tupperville, which eh, Luke Fickle. We know what he did. I don't know these guys in the middle, but this guy was only – they were both only there for a year. Jeff Quinn and Steve Stripling were both only there for a year. But, like, you have these guys, like, throughout time who are very well-known and have done some really good things. Like, that is uh, – I'm pretty like, sure those guys were the interim coaches. Yeah. Okay. Right? Oh, okay. That makes sense. That makes sense on, on to why, like – Yeah. Um, uh, so like Rick Minter, I don't know what he did after Cincinnati. He won 53 games. Uh, that's Jesse Mitchell's dad. I think you know, if this Scott Satterfield guy doesn't work out, okay, I know a guy for you guys, yeah. Like Luke Fickle went 48 and 15, Brian Kelly 34 and 6. Like, come on, like, like Butch Jones, 23 and 14, levied that to another job. Like, hey, yeah, Brian Kelly was winning games at Central Michigan. People should have started taking him seriously. Chippewas don't win. Hmm. Yeah, I, 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 uh, but, I didn't think about that. He, he does suck, but he's a good coach. You know, that's, that's a lot of weight. Uh. But yeah, what else? What else? You don't have much else. Uh, I was last thing. My final thoughts. Uh, well, two final thoughts. Uh, we'll close out the show. Um, Jim Trestle, big Ryan Day fan. I think that is a sign of confidence. I don't think there's many more people I trust than Jim Trestle uh, with opinions about the job itself. Um, he himself is a guy who understands what a loss in the rivalry can do. He didn't lose back-to-back games, but he started the spoiled nature of what we came to expect. And to be honest, you know, I, I've been looking at this a lot. Uh, yes, Urban Meyer kind of dominated Jim Harrow at first, and Ryan Day won that first game as a coach against Michigan. But Urban Meyer got a coach against Brady Hoke, um, and Jim Trestle got a coach against Rich Rodriguez. <laughs> so, like, context means a lot, people. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I know it sucks because we've done it for so long, but, like, this really is kind of what the rivalry should be a little bit. And also, Jim yeah, Harbaugh I, is one of the best coaches to ever do it, and I hate to say that because I hate everything about him. Yeah, but he went from games, and it was we, – we all do. Like, like you can sit and think that, hey, they're going to win for the rest of their lives. Uh, but I, I'm just trying to think of Woody Hayes' record against Michigan was good. It wasn't. Yeah, but he Woody Hayes was good as Urban Myers or Woody Hayes was your war. Yeah, he had a losing record in Michigan. This is what it should be like. Like, We we talked about the ten year war, but did Michigan win six or seven of those games? They were just a lot of them were close. Yeah, uh, because I know Michigan had more wins during that. Uh, Yeah, Um, I'm trying to think history here. Most of the coaches in the history of the rivalry on both sides have resembled more of the Woody Hayes. It's been the only reason that we still look at it like this is because in our lifetime, the people who have like been like the people on the internet the most about it have either lived through the John Cooper era or have lived through the 
Jim Trestle and Ryan Day era. So there is no real expectations, right? Because it's either two in like 12 or it's two losses in 20 years. Yeah, like everyone in Michigan loves Boshan Beckler. He was 11-9-1 against us. Fielding Yost, which is like way, way, way early, was 16-3-1. and yeah. one. Uh, let's see, where is he at? Where is he at? Where is he at? Really uh, like the basis to like everything college football is now. Yeah, why can't I find? Um, I think I saw that he was like 16, 11, and 1, which is like, yeah, is- yeah he won more than he lost, but he yeah. lost 11 times. Yeah, so Shambeckler edged out Hayes in the 10-year war, 5-4-1. Okay, so I knew Michigan came out on top on that. Was Woody Hayes really and here for like he, that long? Mm-hmm. Like and then for the rest of his tenure, 6-5. and five. Yeah, which, Woody Hayes is there for like 25 years or something which like which that. Which is how he gets to 16-11-1. I'm trying yeah, to get his actual final, final record. This is like a... Uh, From but yeah. 68 to 80 over 13 season Michigan only lost five games like this is kind of just how it like it's, it's honestly it's like I, mean, I don't need another decade where we only win what five and 13 years but like you know technically <laughs> this is kind of how it goes yeah without a doubt so yeah that, I was just thinking about that that was just what I kind of thought about with Jim Trestle I look back into it I'm like that's why it's so insufferable because we've either won everything or lost everything over the last 40 years but even with that Jim Trestle was so important because we were on a crazy losing streak yeah yeah so it, it really is wild uh, and that's what I think that's what I want to leave everybody with uh, is hey it's the offseason. Let's be reasonable this year. I know it won't happen, but let's do it. Yeah, so uh, uh, it said it has a thing and it doesn't. Maybe it just didn't fully load. Either way, yeah, I did I did uh, prove it. Uh, Hayes, uh, Yost is their biggest one, and that's the early 1900s. He's 16-3-1. Uh, Woody Hayes is 16-11-1. There are 11 coaches who are winless. Good God, like – uh, I would not want to be one of those guys. Yeah, John Cooper. John Cooper is two ten and one. Jesus, John Cooper's nice, right? Office. Two ten and one. You're just not good. You're just not good enough. Yeah, because uh, yeah, that's one of those old arguments where you've got to have Ohio players to beat Michigan. Yeah, Chesler took over for Cooper, right? There wasn't anyone in between them. No, and in between, no. That's what I thought. Because he used one, it was two years, and then he won the, 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 the Natty. Two, ten, and one. Oh, I couldn't live through that era. I don't know what I would do. Two, ten, and one. That is sickening. I couldn't, I couldn't live through that. <laughs> Absolutely not. Oh, my God. Yeah, that's. Hashtag still spoiled, honestly. Could you imagine having Twitter during that? Oh, God. Like, nope. I mean, that's essentially not. the reverse of what just happened. Far. Yeah, that's essentially the reverse of what just happened. But it wasn't one coach for them. It was like five coaches for them. So, but yeah. So, uh, yeah, final thoughts. Uh, rivalries, rivalries back. 
Yeah, rivalry's back. My, my final thoughts, and this is more of an overall Big Ten thought, but I'm going to say it. My final thought is it's, it's going to be a very, very interesting year for the Big Ten. It's really hard to pick who's going to win. Most years you want to say Ohio State, but this is the first year that Ohio State is replacing a quarterback, and there is a quote-unquote good quarterback returning. Because I still don't believe in J.J., but – Technically, JJ should be the favorite for all the Big Ten quarterback awards, and he should be the favorite to be a Heisman finalist. I don't think he's going to live up to that. But you have JJ coming back. You have three new coaches in the conference, one of them being Luke Fickle, who's been successful, and the other being um, I'm going to forget his name. Hey. And the other being yeah, Matt Rule, who's been successful at two guys. different college places. Ohio State JJ's new quarterback. Oh, it's man. wide open this year. Yeah, uh, uh, JJ's quarterback State coach Minnesota. got arrested for what? computer access crime. So, oh yeah, 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 I didn't know he was the quarterback's coach too. I thought somebody else got arrested. <laughs> I thought it was two yep. people. I was like, Same wow. guy. <laughs> OC quarterbacks coach. Uh, so, yeah, if JJ takes a step back, that's because Jim Harbaugh needs to restrict the access to his assistant's computers. Uh, I mean, if JJ takes a step I back. I don't know what that is. Yes, it's some some sort of hacking. That's that's what I, I, yeah. I found out. Some sort of hacking. So, yeah. yeah well, I'm glad I don't have to do a podcast about that. Yeah. Uh, last, uh, I know I said final thoughts, but I'm just going to say this. I'm going to turn off this Ohio State game because I think my bad luck with men's basketball is going to women's basketball. I've never watched an Ohio State men's basketball game where they won in like the last four years. So I'm turning off this game and hopefully they come back because now they're down eight. It's a 14 0 run. Yeah, so that's dude, not looking good. get freaking the two best teams, the two other best teams in the Big Ten back to back. That's just unfortunate scheduling. That's ridiculous. Like that. That. That's just like that sucks. But hey, yeah, we're yeah. still. Hey, it's a long uh, season. Yeah, we're still gonna be really, really good, and we're still gonna go on a long run in the tournament. So, uh, yeah. So, and we got one good basketball team. That's it. You guys can follow me at Chris Rennie CFB. You can follow the show at Buckoff Pod. Uh, there's definitely going to be a lot more news coming up with the show itself in the near future. But until then, I'll see you guys next time. We're anything else, Jordan? Nope. You can find me at Jordan W three three zero. Go Bucks.